Yeah, what'd you, what'd you pour here? This is some of our uh, big barrel of Knob Creek that we bought. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It's the one you were doing yeah. at the Whiskey Live, mm-hmm. yeah. I think I've got some Four Roses coming next week. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com. And you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Give 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And we're back with another episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast. Kenny and Ryan, and we are doing yet another first for us. We're actually on a, a stop of the Urban Bourbon Trail, right? Yeah, we're we're here at uh, Bourbon's Bistro. You know, it's... Jason, I think he had the foresight a long time ago to know this bourbon bin was coming because he was one of the first ones to kind of, you know, do a bar themed around bourbon and a restaurant themed around bourbon. Uh, we frequent here quite often. The goat cheese is killer. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, we're, we're literally, <laughs> literally like in my backyard. I live about five to eight minutes away from here. I'm just a few streets over. So yeah, same here. We it's a cheap Uber ride for us, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm excited to be here. We're we're. Jason's been kind enough to give us some, you know, awesome bourbon. So we're yeah, ready to do the show. His own his own Booker's pick we got here. Uh, but we have to say again, thanks to Adam Johnson of the Kentucky Bourbon Affair uh, for giving us tickets to Whiskey Live uh, media passes so we can actually go and meet all these great folks that we can now get on our podcast. Um, so we have to say thank you. Um, anybody that's not familiar with the Urban Bourbon Trail, if you don't know about it, it's actually sponsored by the Louisville's Visitor Center, the Convention Bureau. And it's sort of a way to kind of show attractions relating to bourbon right here in the heart of the city. Uh, The majority of it is kind of restaurants and bars, but you can always download the app. Uh, It's called Urban Bourbon Trail, and you can kind of look at it yourself. You can go to one of the many establishments or go to Louisville's Visitor Center and pick up your own passport. And in that passport, you kind of see there's an array of, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 different places that you can go and you can get stamped and, I don't know, end up with a free T-shirt at the end (laughs) or something like that. So there actually is more to uh, the bourbon trail itself than just the bourbon 
Trail. So if you are staying in Louisville, make sure you also check out the uh, Urban Bourbon Trail. Maybe we could do an episode about that one of these days. For sure, for sure. But uh, let's go ahead and introduce our guest. So today we have Jason Bronner. Jason is the owner of the Louisville-based restaurant Bourbon's Bistro. So Jason, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. So before we begin and dive in and talk about the restaurant and all those other great things, kind of talk about uh, the history of you, right? Kind of kind of how everything has uh, come from your childhood up until this point right now and how bourbon has had some sort of effect on it. Well, we, um, I guess it all started. I grew up over, uh, over in Crescent Hill, uh, the Clifton area to be more precise on Payne street, which, um, back in the seventies, well, kind of telling my age when I grew up, uh, running the streets over there, uh, there was national distillery, which was at, uh, Lexington and Payne street. Um, and if you're familiar with national distillery, they made a lot of great brands back in the day. Uh, they actually closed their plant there in 77. Uh, so I had some family members work there and, and, uh, for our neighborhood, I, I guess national distillery was kind of the UPS of the time, uh, big economic hub where, you know, everybody had jobs there. So, uh, as a kid, I would see all these people walking to work. And finally came to realize what it was all about, what they were making there and, and storing there. There was a big barrel uh, warehouse there as well that's been torn down since then. But uh, uh, some of the buildings are still there from uh, the actual distillery. And uh, it's just been a, a kind of part of my neighborhood fabric growing up. And like I said, a, a few of my relatives actually work there. So I kind of get bourbon, honestly. <laughs> I, it seems like all my great aunts and uncles, that's all they drank was bourbon. You know, I, I think um, the first drink I ever learned how to make was a highball. And, I, you know, I was like, what's that? You know, they'd be sitting around playing cards and they'd say, go put me some old crow in a glass about that high, three or four fingers, and then put a little ginger ale on top of it. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, I was a bartender at the ripe old age of like six or seven. That's awesome. Did you? So did you have the foresight to just like stock away a bunch of old granddad and uh, – <laughs> Bill Taylor and yeah, so forth. I wish I would have <laughs> at that point. Uh, and I wish my relatives would have as well. Uh, but I do, you know, that's my hobby now. I kind of, I collect older, older whiskey. Uh, big fan of old bourbon. Oh, uh, yeah. Any, we'll, we'll want to talk about that for sure. Yeah, I'm a big dusty guy, so yeah. I'm excited to talk to you about that. Definitely. But, but talk about, because remember, I remember the first time that we met at Whiskey Live, you were wearing uh, your great uncle's watch. Kind of kind of talk about that and, and what that significance really was. Yeah, it was, um, you know, my I never did actually know my great uncle. Uh, he had passed away before uh, I was born, I think. Uh, but my great aunt, I spent a lot of time with her. She lived next door to my parents. So uh, uh, I'd spend a lot of time over there. We would go over there and eat pound cake and whatever and, <laughs> and uh, help her with her uh, her lawn and whatever. But she uh, worked. She started working at National Distillery when she was 14. She had lied about her age. I was going to say, I was like, that's, that's, no that's, that's not yeah. laws in. No, she had lied about her age because uh, that was the only jobs around. And uh, she worked her way up and, and actually retired from there. And, and her husband retired from there as well. Or actually, he died there. Died, he oh, died here we at go. the plant. I was about to say, here's a story. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get into that in a second. But, um, you know, she lived to be 95. And when she passed away, uh, she had in her will that I would get his watch, you know, because she knew I was a big whiskey fan, bourbon fan. And uh, they actually gave him a watch for 25 years of service uh, at National Distillery, which was a – it was a, 
it's a it's a Tiffany watch, a Tiffany gold watch from 1957, and it says uh, from National Distillery uh, to my great uncle uh, for 25 years of service. So that's a that's really, really it's cool. a really cool piece for me. Uh, being able to get that, and I wear it out sometimes. Uh, but it's a real neat piece, just because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm into bourbon and all of that. Absolutely. So we're here at the restaurant. So you know, everybody can't hear, can't see it, right? We're we're looking at it, but get everybody the scoop. Like, what's 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 the digs about it? Like, what's what's the kind of vibe you're going for, and all these other kind of things. Well, I think when we first started. Um, you know, we've been incorporated. I actually started out as Bourbon's Steakhouse. I uh, got incorporated, I think, in about 2000 or 2001 as Bourbon Steakhouse. I didn't want to be cornered into uh, a steakhouse because you're either a great one or you're not. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I thought there was more there was more uh, room or more uh, room to grow as far as culinary and, and having a bistro. I uh, did some research on what a bistro really should be. And there's a huge tie between bourbon and the French. So, um, well, kind of talk about that. I guess I don't really know much about the the ties between the bourbon and the French because it, that, that kind of is, is a little bit lost on me in the, uh, the international, the international yeah. realm there. Yeah. Well, um, you know, Louisville's named after Louis the Sixteenth of France, who he, they basically the French funded uh, our Revolutionary War from Great Britain, and the French are involved deeply. If you think of Paris, Kentucky, and and uh, Versailles, um, so there's a lot because of, we don't say Versailles, Versailles. right? Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> but there's a lot of homage or whatever that, that we give to the French for, for them giving us money so we could get away from the Britons. Um, so it also ties in with, you know, the, the, the Louisiana purchase. There's a lot of French influence in New Orleans, okay, with Bourbon Street. There's a Bourbon family. Um, and we, you know, still to this day, nobody can really track down where Bourbon came from where the actual name came from. We can kind of narrow it down. Uh, but you're talking about Bourbon County, Virginia, and it became Kentucky up, I guess, near Maysville or what have you. Uh, but basically, the French had a big, big role to play, even in trade when, you know, the the, the basis of trade back in the day was was the river. You know, we would make moonshine up here, put it in barrels, and then we float it down to the river. And there was a big, big market for it in, in New Orleans. So by the time it got down there, for some reason, somebody had charred a barrel, and they talked about used barrels, and Elijah Craig, this, that, and the other thing. <laughs> the tall tail. No, yeah, nobody yeah. <laughs> really knows where that started either. Um, but anyhow, by the time it got down there on the river, it had a nice brown hue to it. And um and they would stamp Bourbon County, and it was going to the Bourbon family and Bourbon Street. So you don't really know w- whether the chicken or the egg. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but there's big ties with, with, with I think, with Bourbon, uh, Bourbon whiskey and, and the French. Mm-hmm. So in starting the restaurant, I wanted to pay homage to that. So uh, w- what I did is I called it a bistro. Uh, and we, we, it's kind of Southern 
what I call upscale Southern with a little bit of French influence. Not so Southern as, as you know, if you go down to New Orleans, there, there's more, a lot of uh, culinary, there's like island influences down there. We, we don't get into much of the island stuff, but we're just kind of Southern America type uh, food. So that's kind of, I thought it was a, uh, a great palate or a good range of, of cooking that, 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 I would like to do or my chef would, you know, I would like a chef of mine to do. So how do you think of you want to get in the restaurant business in the first place? Because did you come from that sort of background or was it just like, you know what, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get ahead of the curve. (laughs) Yeah. A little bit of both. I started a little pizza place down in uh, the Clifton area. I started Clifton's Pizza uh, back in 1990 with uh, a buddy of mine. We were in a band together. And uh, we loved live music. And so we were going to start a pizza place with live music. And uh, so we had a lot more time than we had money. And so Clifton's was born. So I was there for uh, about 11 years and decided, you know, I, I wanted to get into more, uh, more full service restaurant. I always drank bourbon. And a, a good buddy of mine named Joe Gadansky said, uh, we're sitting around smoking cigars and drinking whiskey. And he's like, man, let's, you know, I, 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 we were going to start a restaurant together. And uh, he said, man, let's call it bourbons. And so we did, got incorporated as bourbons. And uh, Joe and I never, we never really got together on the, uh, on the partnership of the restaurant. So I picked up another partner and uh, here we are. Yeah, that's awesome. And anybody doesn't know that uh, Clifton's is still alive and kicking. It's just down the street from here, right? So you can still go and you can still get your pizza and listen to your live music, drink your Fall City, all that other kind of good stuff. The last time I was there was a jug band playing. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so talk about so you. this place is one of the first bars that I know that was like dedicated to bourbon in the area. And now they're obviously popping up <laughs> everywhere. But yeah. I guess, you know, we've obviously hit a boom now, but you know, 10, 11 years ago, it was kind of starting to hit, but not quite. So how, how did you, I guess, come up with that idea of we're going to, you know, be a, like a high-end bourbon bar as well? Because it was a risky decision, right? I mean, you know, I I was going to do a restaurant anyway, and it was just what, what theme should we put in the background? And, and, you know, as we're drinking bourbon, you know, you got to think it and, and through my research, if you, if you look at Kentucky in the time, you know, back in the, I guess it was back in the 2000s is when I really had the idea, is that, you know, tobacco is taking a hit, the horse racing industry is somewhat taking a hit. And so Kentucky, you know, 95% of the world's bourbon comes from 50 miles from here. And I thought, to me, it was undermarketed. And I thought, what a great backdrop for a restaurant. You know, uh, kind of not really high class, but, a, but, a, but an upscale restaurant – you know, we one of our first T-shirts uh, said we're going to bring bourbon back one sip at a time. <laughs> so we were just out to educate the world about bourbon because it's not. You know, I always feel when I traveled around the country, uh, people. You know, oh, you're from Kentucky. You know, and you you, you actually have shoes on and, and you eat KFC. Yeah, yeah and, and, and you the don't have. Yeah, where are your bib overalls? You know, <laughs> and and. You know, especially when I went to wine country, it really kind of pissed me off uh, because they just thought they're too highbrow, yeah, so, yeah. so highbrow, so uppity. And, and you know, bourbon is, is I think, a more sophisticated drink than, than scotch or wine could ever be. There's so many different flavors in there. And, and you know, just it, it, maybe it was out to prove the world that we're just not 
uh, barefoot and pregnant down by the creek, <laughs> you know, making moonshine. Yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, it's it's a it's an unbelievable drink. It's an unbelievable product. So with that, I mean, you are you are kind of a whiskey bar, but you also are a full service restaurant. We'll get to the restaurant part in a second, but uh, back in 2014, your restaurant was named uh, one of the world's best one of the world's best whiskey bars. Um, so talk about you know, A, what that means, and then B, kind of like how many how many bourbons do you really have on the menu here? Well, the, the bourbon list ebbs and flows, and that's, you know, the if, if anybody knows bourbon, that the, the antique collections and all those, you know, a lot of the stuff you don't get comes out in the fall, and it's supposed to last us all year. Well, if it's not gone by the holidays and New Year's, it's definitely gone by Derby. Derby, yeah. Right. You know, so our, our, our whiskey list definitely ebbs and flows quite a bit. And from the beginning, it wasn't really about how many do we have. What it was about for me is this is Bourbon's Bistro. We're in the heart of bourbon uh, country. And if we don't have, if we choose not to carry J.W. Dant, and this was back in the day when nobody knew what J.W. Dant was, you know, if we choose not to to use that and somebody comes in and says, well, my, my uncle worked at, it was a dant or something. Would you have dant? No, we don't have it. Well, how are we bourbon's bistro if we don't have that? So what we what we did is we wanted to get every whiskey we could get our hands on, every bourbon. Uh, and we had a couple of uh, scotches and a couple of ryes and whatever. Just but we really focused on bourbon. Uh, we didn't do it to to start a pissing contest with how many do you have. We wanted to do it because we wanted to have what the people wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, we wanted to have every brand that the people want. Hey, uh, old, you know, you know, cabin still, whatever. We just wanted to make sure that we had it on the shelves uh, when people came in to ask because we're Bourbon's Bistro. It says it in the name. Right. So they kind of, there's a little bit of a stigma or an anticipation when you walk in these doors, right? Yeah, I think so. And so, you know, we've always been, well, how many do you have? Well, how many do you have? It's it, That's really not what it's about. It's the ones that we have. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. if, does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So at, at, also at any one time, and, you know, we're sipping on a Knob Creek barrel right now, that you have a, a variable pick of uh, a few different barrels. So kind of talk about uh, some of the barrel picks you've had and maybe some of your favorite ones you've had yeah. over the years, too. Yeah, we do uh, we do single barrels with different distilleries all the time. I think one of the first ones we did here was Woodford Barrel, which was excellent. We actually got to uh, non chill filter it, and which you don't you don't get the you gotta, you gotta ask those you gotta have the secret handshake to get yeah. a lot of those things right. And would do uh, we would do taste tests in the bar. Uh, I called it their Woodford and our Woodford, and ours would win hands down all the time. Uh, so that was a that was a fun barrel to do. We do a lot of Four Roses barrels; they're great to us. Uh, we're doing some Knob Creek. Uh, we're going to do the New Makers Experimental Woods. We're going to do that one. Um, we've done some at Buffalo Trace. We'd like like to do some more next year. Try to get back on their list. It's getting um, harder and harder. Yeah, it, it it was definitely much easier. Uh, several years ago than it is now right to, to buy the single barrels oh I could imagine Shopify's already taken the cash register online helping millions sell billions around the world but did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store from accepting payments to managing inventory Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. 
And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. So uh, since you are a stop on the Urban Bourbon Trail, kind of talk about maybe what that means to to that, right? I mean, is it is it kind of a, a badge of honor? Is it is it help business? I mean, kind of kind of talk about what the Urban Bourbon Trail kind of means to it. Yeah, you know, I think the the Urban Bourbon Trail is a, a great thing. Uh, at some point, I think it, it might be getting a little watered down. <laughs> I would with hate 30, 30 different places. With on thirty it. different places, and we were one of the original ones on there, which you know. I, Obviously, what we've set out to do and, and what the industry, the industry's responding. So it's working, you know, uh, the tourism is uh, is up and that's great. I just want to make sure, you know, when we started uh, that we would give the, the diner or the bar uh, patron a, a great experience and a great bourbon experience. They, like I said, we were out to educate the world about bourbon. So we wanted to make sure that our staff was up to the task of teaching people what they wanted to learn, not just selling them, hey, yeah, we've got some pappy for 200 bucks. You know, <laughs> it's not like that. I mean, we'll try to sell you. We'll try to talk you out of it before we try to talk you into it. Uh, you know, we just want people to learn about bourbon. And I think with the 30 stops, uh, you know, I hope everybody's doing their due diligence. I, I, I just, I, you know, I just worry about somebody coming and wanting to have a good a good experience and not getting it at maybe one of these stops that are just doing it because of the just popularity of it. You it know? What are some of the qualifications, I guess, to be on the Urban Bourbon Trail? You or, know, or, or, or is there? <laughs> there are, and I'm not really sure what they are. Gotcha. He, uh, are, he just fixed all the checkboxes, right? Yeah, because, right. yeah, I mean, we meet most of them, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I always say, you know, if martinis were 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 popular, there'd be a bunch of martini bars, <laughs> but we, we'd still be doing bourbon. Right. You know, so I think a lot of people are jumping on the bandwagon, and that's fine. Uh, I just hope that they, you know, take it as seriously. Maybe they don't take it as seriously as we do, but I, I hope they would, you know, just for, for the people's sake. You know, don't be on there and give somebody an average bourbon experience because, you, you know, you're representing the state, you know. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so. 
Let's talk about the restaurant itself, right? Because we've talked about your bourbon. We talked about your bar. Let's talk about the food a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's great food. Uh, I will say that hands down, my favorite dish here is the shrimp and grits, like by far. Mine's a pork chop. Pork chop. (laughs) So kind of, kind of talk, give us, give the listeners a little bit of, if they want to come and visit you as they're coming to Louisville to kind of visit the bourbon trail and they're like, okay, well, bourbon's bistro is now a stop on our, you know, we We just got drunk on the trail. Where can we (laughs) sober up? Not really. We got to check this off. So kind of give the listeners a kind of a, you know, an idea of what the menu looks like and maybe some of your favorite dishes or anything like that. Well, we we try to change the menu up about uh, four times a year, you know, to use and we use a lot of local products. Um, And like I said earlier, it's kind of upscale Southern. So, you know, you're going to have the shrimp and grits, steaks, uh, crab cakes, pork chop you know we've got great seafood and people around the country when they come to louisville they're like why would louisville have great seafood surely you're not getting it out of the river (laughs) yeah but then you tell them about the ups hub the international Mm -hmm. hub and 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 it all makes sense Mm -hmm. so you know louisville's a wonderful town for for restaurants as well um but you know seafood on on a lot of on a lot of our on our menu, uh, we used to get some uh, overnighted from Honolulu. You know, it it, it it got a little expensive there for a while, so uh, we stopped doing that. But uh, so the menu is kind of diverse. We change it up, uh, like I said, about four times a year. We try to use uh, we, we use definitely. Uh, there's several local farmers that we use uh, for all of our vegetables and meat, our beef. Um, so, what are your, some of your favorites that you've had? Well, I, you know. I it's kind of hard to choose your favorite Yeah, style. I mean, I don't miss many meals here. So, <laughs> uh, it's hard to stay in shape. But, um, you know, the, the oysters are great. I love the oysters with the uh, the oysters. I, I love the filet, the steak frites. Uh, pork chop's really good. Yeah, it's killer. Uh, you know, I'll do a – and because I know somebody back there. <laughs> I get to – like, I'll have a – what I usually get anymore is I've been doing a Caesar salad and I'll either get a piece of salmon on top of it or a filet or whatever. So when you come here, you got to ask for the Jason special. And that's yeah, what you're yeah. And then, uh, you know, yeah, they'll frown at you probably. Because <laughs> like, I know my staff probably frowns when they see my order come back because I always. You butcher, add, you yeah, butcher it somewhere. Yeah, I mean, that's why I started a restaurant. So, you know, <laughs> I could cook what I wanted to cook or have what I wanted when I wanted it, so yeah, we mentioned at the very beginning. You can't forget the uh, the goat cheese appetizer, oh, yeah, the it's, blue it's, dog it's, bread. It's killer. No, yeah, that's definitely. So now we want to kind of talk about uh, your personal whiskey collection because we know at least we talked before. Uh, there's even articles if you can Google about it that you've even got things out there talking about like you know what it is to be dusty hunting and all these other kind of things. So first, let's let's kind of get an idea of, of what your whiskey collection looks like. Well. Uh, Anymore, it, it, you know, it's a lot, a lot of beam decanters <laughs> because there's a lot of them out there, you know. Um, but over the years, it's been, and I still have, you know, I've got four or five bottles from Prohibition. Uh, we've probably, I've, through the years, I bet we've probably drank, I don't know, 25 or 30 bottles from Prohibition. Oh, wow. So, you know, we've drank. Was, it, was that a mistake or was that? Was no, that it was, that was what it was. Yeah. You know, I, I, I lucked into a bunch of it. Uh, you know, t- really, I bought it out of a guy's trunk. Yeah. <laughs> and it asked me if I wanted these, uh, buy these bottles for decorations. I said, 
Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I do. Yeah, act like I'm going to put some some hot glue and a and a, and a hanger on it, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll uh, decorate. I'll put them up as soon as I empty them out. Yeah. Um, but so I've got a lot of you know I don't collect empty decanters. I you know I'm, I collect the whiskey that's in them. So uh, I do have a lot of empty decanters as well. Uh, but we've you know through here I'd, I'd love to have some of the whiskey that's gone through here again. You know uh, you know the one that sticks out and. Everybody talks about is the um, I had an old crow chess set from uh, it was barreled in fifty nine, bottled in sixty nine, and I've sat out by that fireplace and I've drank it with you know everybody I could you know I, I, uh, Jimmy Russell drank it with Freddie No, Julian Van Winkle, uh, you name it. I, I drank that whiskey with them because I bought the whole set. You know, it's thirty two bottles of of a chess set from Old Crow. And to me, and uh, Fred Minnick, I think has written about it. Says it's it's the best whiskey that's ever crossed his lips. <laughs> and between both of us, I know we drink a lot of whiskey and. I think it's probably the best one that I've ever had. It's just, it's unexplainable, um, but it was just completely awesome. So what is it, what do you think it was about, you know, all these whiskeys from National Distillers? They're some of my favorites. Yeah, definitely. And, and why did, why did it not last? And why, you know, I wish we could bring that back. You know, what was so special about them? Well, it was just a sign of the times back then, you know, like I said, my great aunts and uncles were drinking them and they were working at the distillery and, and, you know, my parents, they were drinking more white liquors, you know, they were into the gins and, and whatever. And I think you're going to see that in very late fifties, early sixties, when they start making these decanters, especially in the sixties, uh, you know, the kids didn't want to do what their parents were doing. Their parents were drinking brown liquor. Uh, so that's when you see in the sixties, really when sixties and seventies, when the white liquors take over and they, and they've taken over up until, you know, maybe the last 10 years. And, uh, I mean, how many, how many flavors can you put on vodka? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. You know, and, I've been in heaven Hill. There's quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, apparently, apparently enough to fill an entire liquor store. Yeah. yeah there's, there's peach, there's cranberry, right. there's whipped cream, there's cotton Cinnamon. candy. Oh, yeah, the flavors go on. But I think now, you know, the culture's culture's coming back around. There, I think the, the for one, the, the younger people are a little more educated about what they're doing, what they're eating, uh, what they're drinking. If you look at no GMOs and and a lot of people are gluten free and all this, they're, they're just uh, I think they're more educated about what they're eating and what they're drinking. And 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 bourbon's a great place to start. I mean, vodka is basically a odorless, colorless, tasteless, uh, neutral green spirit. Bourbon's not. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So I, I think, you know, I, I think the white liquors have had their time and it's people like me and, and these other, you know, millions of bourbon bars that are popping up that, that are that are seeing, you know, they're actually doing their research and seeing what a good product it is, what a great product it is. I, so I guess with that, um, you know, a you know, you said you drink a lot of these porcelain bottles and I, I've had a I've, I've always I've always been a little timid. Right. So, I mean, because people say that like, oh, a lot of these bottles are made with lead. So is there a is there kind of some truth to that to say, like, maybe you should or should not drink a lot of the bourbon that come from these these bottles that were from the 70s that come from Jim Beam and all these other places? You know, I've heard that. I don't. I, <laughs> He's I mean, still alive. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so far, so good. But you never know. Uh, we never really I, I think that would be neat to test one somehow in a lab, have somebody test it to see the lead, you know, <laughs> how much lead is really in it. 
you hear about it. And because at this point, it's just basically like form the bones in your toes, right? Yeah. It's, it's, gone, it's gone that far down. Right. Um, but you know, if you think about once again, back in the day, but that all the, all the water pipes and everything, everything was yeah, made out lead. of lead, you know? Um, Maybe I get that from my iron, wife because you know, she's just crazy about lead poisoning, right? It just seems there was a lot more lead in our diet back then for some reason. Uh, or maybe it's just iron. I don't know. Iron pipes and iron. I don't know. Uh, I don't have any idea. I'd, I'd, I'd like to test one of the old ones. <laughs> if there's anybody out there that uh, can do that, let me know. So uh, another question about that. Uh, I've talked to uh, a few other uh, patrons and, or should I say, bar owners and stuff like that. And a lot of them have a lot of good whiskey collections. And some of them are, are holding on to them because they're hoping that maybe they can turn the ways that Kentucky laws will go the way of D.C., where D.C. says that you can source a bottle from anywhere and sell it in your establishment. So some of these bottles that show up in D.C., I mean, they're pre-prohibition. They come up from anywhere. They're the A.H. A. H. Hirsch, uh, you know, gold foils that have been long and gone since, you know, 20-whatever. Um, and the idea is that they can sell those because they acquire them. They can sell them in their establishment. Uh, what's your kind of view on that? Is, is that something that you would you would like to see one day to say, like, well, maybe I should hold on to some of these because it would give my patrons uh, the ability to be able to come in and drink from my bar and they could they could have it for yourself and they could have a 1985 <laughs> old granddad or whatever it is well you know my view is I, I I don't think they should change the law by any means and have a dusty law I think if you do that takes a little bit of the mystique out of it I'm not saying that um, by any means that I sell any of my dusty bottles uh, but I have had some with some patrons of mine. there you go. <laughs> And, you know, that's when you have to come in and ask for the Jason special. <laughs> that's right. Comes with a Caesar salad. So, if, you know, <laughs> like a salmon. I think if they pass the law, uh, the law will be, uh, it'll be null and void in, say, five years. Right. Because all the dusties, yeah, will, be gone. All the dusties will be gone. And, and, then, and then, then where are you? You know, it's, it's just kind of a, a law that doesn't really apply. In five years, I don't see it. I don't even see it applying in five years. Right. Uh, as much as the Dusties, people are, you know, I've always been a big fan and I hate that everybody's <laughs> soaking up everything way. I could be getting, but uh, you got jackasses you know. like me jumping on the, <laughs> you know, so uh, anyhow, I, I just think I, I just kind of like the mystique of it. And hey, I've got a little something, you know, and hey, you know, it's just kind of, a, it's almost like a speakeasy type thing. You know, oh, totally. I, I think it's I think it's much better that way, and 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 it should maybe ride off into the sunset, as far as I'm concerned. Like right? That. Yeah. No, totally. I, I'm not looking to. You know, it, it, it's more about the story of sitting around, say, drinking the old crow, or or, or, or yeah, sitting around memory. drinking it, than than me charging you, you know, something outrageous, three or four hundred dollars for it. I, I think there's more story in just having a sip of it than oh, I got. Three hundred dollars out of that shot, or no, you no, know, I, just, I agree. It's yeah, not you take the, the memory time. with you, but not the not the money. Yeah, yeah that's, exactly. that's what I know. He's he's been on a dusty hunt for a while, and for me, it, it's hard to always wrap my head around uh, somebody paying outrageous money for something that, like this bottle, literally, this bottle cost like eight dollars and ninety nine cents <laughs> on the shelf like yeah. ten years ago, and yeah. maybe yeah, fifteen years ago. Granddad's it literally is eight ninety nine on it, and I think I paid like. 200 for it. Yeah. But then yeah, this was yeah. like two or three years ago. You know? Right. And there's so many people getting into it that, that it's really, it, it's taking the market 
everything's overpriced. I mean, I everything, all the Dusties are overpriced unless you, you know, find some reasonable guy. But everybody's just paying too much money for them. Well, do you think and, you and then they're holding on to them, and it's right. What well, do you yeah. think your dusty hunting days are, are long and gone? Do you think no, it, the market's think depleted? So. Okay. I think there's some gems out there, you know, somewhere. But there's definitely not as many as there used to be. No. You know, everybody's doing it. And uh, and I guess the people that are holding on to it, I don't know. I, I, I don't – they're not getting any better, especially in those porcelain ones. And, uh, you know, all the ones that I've been through, a lot of the corks are already compromised. Yeah. And they're already starting to uh, evaporate a little bit, you know, so um, – Concentrated lead content, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. They're not getting any better, so I, I don't think there's any reason to hold on to them. You know, I drink them. No, totally. You know, life's short. So uh, last question for you, so we're ready to wrap it up. Um, so for anybody that's out there that's listening that is going to think they want to open a bourbon bar or in the midst of it or anything like that, like what what kind of advice can you give them to to kind of steer them in the right direction and say like this is the this is the lesson that I've learned, like the the utmost important one? Well, for me, you know, I'm I'm still learning lessons every day. Um but you know, I'm just say do your homework. You know, don't don't do it half-ass, you know. If you're going to do it, do it because, you know, to me, it's personal. Totally. All right. You know, there it's, 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 it's like, you know, you're representing Kentucky. You're representing the bourbon industry. So, so do your homework, you know. Don't don't be a jackass. Right. <laughs> don't just try to open up and be like, we're only going to serve, like, limited yeah. edition whatever. Yeah, and we're yeah. going to price just it out. Don't of get on it because of the bandwagon, you know. Right. Go yeah, open a martini bar. Right. Exactly. They're going you know? the martini bar. Yeah. <laughs> Skinny margaritas. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jason, thank you again for being on the show today. Uh, this is a pleasure. Uh, you know, we we frequent here pretty often. Like I said, we... Uh, I used to more, but now I have twins. So, yeah, uh, that's you tough. know, my dinners are far, few and far between. But, no, uh, I mean, I was here probably three weeks ago eating eating dinner on the patio out here, <laughs> eating shrimp and grits and goat cheese, right? So, yeah, it's, it's one of the great places. And when you do come here, I mean, we're staring at the ambiance. You've got all kinds of... Uh, Great things on the wall from pictures of old national distillers and, and all those great things. So uh, you really get a, a true piece of history when you do come here. Uh, even if you are visiting for the Bourbon Trail, you get an opportunity to not only keep drinking bourbon while you're doing it, but uh, you get to sit there and, and look at some true history on the walls. So it's not just going to uh, uh, yet another restaurant, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, Jason, thanks, man. Appreciate the time. Thank you all thanks for, for having the drinks. me. Yeah, it cheers. Delicious. Thanks for having yeah. me. There we go. Yeah, it's nice on a cool in here it's hot as hell outside yeah it's nice and cool in here so it's, this hit the spot so good times uh, yeah wrap us up kenny yeah so if you like what you hear make sure you subscribe to us on itunes uh you can also follow us on all those good social media channels and if you do like what you hear support the show patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash bourbon pursuit we always take all of your comments and your suggestions to heart we do our best to get everybody that we can on the show and uh, if you do make sure you send us an email it's the duo t-h-e-d-u-o at bourbonpursuit.com and we will do our best to answer you as, uh, as fast as possible <laughs> that's but right. uh, if that's it then we'll see you all next time mm-hmm.